you to take your Bibles tonight. Let's continue our study in the life of Hezekiah. We turn back to Isaiah chapter 38. Isaiah chapter 38. As we looked at this morning, verses 1 through 8, we saw this morning as Hezekiah was sick unto death. But Hezekiah rested upon the word of God. When God said, the righteous he will extend their days, the wicked he will shorten their days. And as Hezekiah rested upon the promise of God, God extended Hezekiah's life by 15 years. But not only did he do that, but remember, he also gave Hezekiah a promise that on the third day he would go into the house of the Lord and be able to worship again. And then also remember, not only did he do that, but he promised he would deliver Assyria, deliver Assyria into their hands. In other words, he would bring defeat upon their enemy. And remember we said this morning that all this was taking place at the same time. So if you remember, Hezekiah is sick unto death. He became sick unto death the same time the king of Assyria came against Israel. And so now, being sick unto death, Isaiah telling him that he was going to die. Assyria coming against Israel, promoting propaganda to dismantle his leadership. And then on top of that, sending out wicked letters trying to get Israel in Jerusalem to surrender. And all these circumstances were mounting one upon another, upon another, upon another, and upon another. And yet Hezekiah did what he always does. He turned to the Lord. And when he turned to the Lord, he found out the Lord was enough. Now when we come to verse 9, verse 9 is kindly uh, just a very intimate portrait into the heart of Hezekiah during this time. Verse 9 through verse 20, what we find is... Hezekiah writing, now most Bible scholars, and I would agree, believe this is a psalm. Matter of fact, if you know, Hezekiah wrote some of the psalms. And so they believe this is one of the songs Hezekiah wrote. But in writing this song, it goes back and it gives us insight into what he was thinking during his sickness, how he handled the sickness, how he viewed the sickness, and then when God healed him, how Hezekiah, with great joy and praise on his lips, rejoiced in the Lord. Now what's unique about this song is it's a glorious picture of our redemption. Amen. And so if you would please stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word as we begin reading in verse number 9. The Bible says, The writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and was recovered from his sickness. So he wrote it. After his recovery, he said, I said, being in the past, in the cutting off of my days, I shall go to the gates of the grave. I am deprived of the residue of my years. I said, past tense, I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord in the land of the living. I shall behold man no more with the inhabitants of the world. Mine age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. I am cut off like a weaver for my life. 
He will cut me off with the pining sickness. From day even to night wilt thou make an end of me. I reckon till morning that as a lion, so will he break all my bones. For every evening tonight wilt thou make an end of me. Like a crane or a swallow, so did I chatter. I did mourn as a dove. Mine eyes fell with looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. What shall I say? He hath both spoken unto me and himself hath done it. I shall go softly all the years in the bitterness of my soul. Let's pray. Father, I pray you would take this passage, use it in our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Well, Hezekiah begins this writing or this song with a statement. And so I want you to look at this statement of Hezekiah. In this statement, you find two things. You find first the conclusion in his sickness. He says here in verse, uh, verse number 10, I said in the cutting off of my days, I shall go down to the gates of the grave. I am deprived of the residue of my ears. What was the statement he made? Very simple. Remember Isaiah told him, you're going to die. And so the statement he made is, my days are short. My days are numbered. My days are, are going to be shortened very, very quickly. Because remember, Hezekiah, even though he prayed unto the Lord, he's walking under the matter that he's going to die. And that's his mindset. And even though he petitions God concerning what God said, he still in his mind thought his days were over. Now here's what I would have to say to you about this. One of the conclusions you and I need to make is our days are numbered as well. And I said it this morning, I'm going to say it again, you're living on borrowed time. The Bible says in James, life is but a vapor. It appears for a moment and then vanishes away. A lot of people are going to miss heaven because of they think they can procrastinate and wait until a certain time. I got news for you. You may not get that time. You see, Hezekiah had an absolute understanding that his days were short. But not only do you find here in this statement of Hezekiah the conclusion in his sickness, the confusion in his sickness. Skip down to verse 12. I'll come back to verse 11. He said, Mine age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. In other words, I, I, my body's about to lay down as a shepherd lays down his tent as he is a bit, a, begins to voyage to another place. I have cut off like a weaver for my life. In other words, prematurely, a weaver cutting off the string from the tool in which the weaver uses. And he says here, from day even to night, thou make an end of me. What does he say here? He's speaking of his confusion. Because remember, Hezekiah, as I said this morning, he brought great revival to Israel. He restored worship in the temple. He restored the temple as God meant for the temple to be. And all of these things, and, and can you imagine in all his sickness and all his pain, and then what God told Isaiah to tell him? 
Can you imagine how confusing that would be? You know, folks, here's something I'm learning over the years. Things don't have to make sense to me. Now, that's hard for me. I'm one of those that likes to dot every I and cross every T. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I mean, when I'm studying a passage, if I can't if I can't come to the conclusion of something in that passage, it eats my lunch. But I'm learning that things don't have to make sense to me. I'm learning that not only do we look through a glass dimly when it comes to the Word of God, but we look through a glass dimly when it comes to life itself. I have no ability to know what God knows about tomorrow, next week, next year. I have no ability to know what God knows about my life, my wife's life, my son's life, your life. And sometimes things happen, we rejoice. I mean, hey, listen, we ought to praise God for all these folks that raised their hand. They've been saved in the last six years. Amen? Amen. But sometimes, as a pastor, I see people doing and living in ways, and I scratch my head, and I said, I don't understand that. But I'm coming to learn I don't have to understand. Because where I'm coming to is where Hezekiah had to come to, that even though it may have been confusing what was going on in his life, he still knew the only where to turn was the Lord. And the Lord was all he needed. Well, I want you to see, secondly, not only do you see the statement of Hezekiah, you see the sorrow of Hezekiah. You find this in verse 11. I alluded to this this morning, but I want to deal with it in detail. He said, I said, past tense, this was when he was still sick. I said, I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord in the land of the living. I shall not behold man no more with the inhabitants of the world. Remember, as I said this morning, one of the things that caused Hezekiah to weep so much when Isaiah said to him, what Isaiah said to him was not the matter of weeping over his sin, but not the matter of not even that, but not even weeping over his, his pain and his agony that he was in from, from his sickness. But what he wept over was what we find right here. He said he wept over what? I will no longer see the Lord in the land of the living. I'll no longer be able to worship him. Now remember what I told you this morning. In the Old Testament, it's not absent from the body to be present with the Lord. In the Old Testament, they go into Sheol and the place of the abode of the dead. And until Jesus Christ shed His blood, placed them on the mercy seat, then and only then did the Old Testament saints go and be with the Lord. And Hezekiah understood that because of this death that was impending upon his life, that he would no longer be able to go to the house of God and worship the Lord God. And I told you this morning, our life ought to be absolutely encaptured by the privilege to worship Him. Yes, amen. Amen. 
We ought to wake up every morning anxious to worship Him. We ought to wake up every morning expecting to worship Him. We ought to wake up every morning anticipating worshiping Him. In other words, we ought to wake up every morning instead of looking at our day and how busy it all is, we ought to get up every morning looking at our day and say, Lord, what opportunities do I have to spend with You? Where can I cut out this and cut out that that I can worship You? I can study Your Word. I can pray. I can spend intimate time with You. I want to tell you something, folks. If we got to to the place where God was the center of every part of our day, I want to tell you something. It would set this whole area free in the name of Jesus. You see, he didn't want to be separated from worship. But not only was there the separation of worship that burdened him, but the separation from witnesses. Watch what he said here. I shall behold man no more with the inhabitants of the world. What was Hezekiah's kingship known about? How he was used of God to bring Israel and even the northern kingdom to a place of repentance and a place of, of literally abandoning all the idols and cutting down the idols and all the cities and, and coming back to the house of the Lord and taking of the Passover and worshiping God. How many agree today? If nothing else, Hezekiah made mistakes. Hezekiah committed some sins. But how many of you agree today that God used Hezekiah to bring men back to the Lord? Amen. You see, if I breathe my last breath while I'm preaching, Tonight. The only thing. Can I tell you, really? It's really going to bother me. Is I can no longer say, thus saith the Lord. You say, well, preacher, you will miss your family. I will. But I'll see them again. There's a lot of people that I've had the privilege to preach to over the years, I'll never ever see again. Wow. See, this is where Hezekiah's sorrow came from. Being separated from worship, being separated from being a witness. This greatly disturbed Hezekiah. But I want you to see thirdly the suffering of Hezekiah. Look at verse 13. I reckon till morning that as a lion so will he break my bones from day even to night will they make an end of me. I talked about this this morning a little bit and I'm just going to spend a moment and go on. Hezekiah is here reflecting on the pain and the agony. Now as I said this morning it was a what the Old Testament calls a bull in the Hebrew means an ulcer, an infectious ulcer that literally began to spread throughout his body and the agony and the pain that it brought. And Hezekiah was suffering. Suffering greatly. But can I tell you what captures me? Then in, no matter how much he was suffering, he never lost his focus on God was sufficient for him. 
I don't know about y'all. But I'm easy to forget things. You ever have those bad days? Any of y'all ever had any of those bad days? And all of a sudden you, those bad days come. You start wringing your hands. Complaining. Griping. Start worrying. You lay down at night, can't sleep. Because of all that's taken place, and what you don't know might take place with what did take place. And you just wring in your hand. Say, preacher, you've done that before? All the time. To my shame. Yeah. But can I tell you when I do it, when you do it? Can I tell you what it really says? Yeah. I forgot. Wait a minute, Father. Amen. You're enough. Amen. The Bible says this about Paul, Philippians. He learned. In whatever state he's in to be content. You say, what do you mean? God had to teach him. How'd God teach him? Thorn in the flesh. Asia Minor, he thought the only way out was death because of persecution. Shipwreck, stone, and prison. God taught him one circumstance at a time. Paul learned finally to be content. You say, how can I be content in those situations of my life? You remember who he is. Well, notice this. Not only do you see the statement of Hezekiah and the sorrow and the suffering of Hezekiah, you see the surrender of Hezekiah. Look at verse 14. Like a crane or a swallow so did I chatter. I did mourn as a dove. What is the first thing you see here? You see the cry. His cry. You say, what do you mean? When in the midst of his sickness, in the midst of, of all the circumstances that were piling up against him, whether it be Assyria, his sickness, or the propaganda, or all those things. What did we learn this morning? Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and cried out to God. Let me tell you something God does in saving someone. He gets them to the place of the end of themselves where they have nowhere else to turn but Him. And when they cry out to Him in the agony of their conviction, in the reality of their conviction, in, in the humility of their conviction, I want to tell you something, conviction will humble you in a New York second. The most horrifying thing that I've ever experienced in my life is the day God showed me I was lost. Amen. And here's Hezekiah in this moment of despair, in this moment of agony, in this moment of sorrow, in this moment of suffering. He cries and he cries and he cries. But watch this. Notice the consciousness. Mine eyes fail while looking upward. What does that say? 
In the midst of all his crying, where was his focus? Upward. In the midst of all his crying, he kept looking upward and looking upward and looking upward and looking upward and looking upward. Now this is enhancing his, his sickness before Isaiah came. And all that sickness and all the Assyrian attack, he's looking upward, looking upward, waiting on God, waiting on God, waiting on God. How many agree when you look up so long your eyes begin to fail? And it's almost like Hezekiah was saying, I kept looking, I kept waiting, I kept looking, I kept waiting, I kept looking, I kept waiting. But here's how God works. When you get tired of looking, keep looking. Because God's never late. He's always on time. And so Hezekiah said, I cried. And, and I was conscious of the fact that my only help was in him. And I looked upward and looked upward and looked upward. And then notice the confidence he had as he looked upward. He said, oh Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake. I am oppressed, undertaken. So you see his confession, I'm oppressed. You see his confidence, undertaken. What does that mean? Help me. Lift me up. Strengthen me. Do something in me. But can I tell you, you can't be conscious that God is able if you're not confessing that you're not. Yeah, amen. That's right. See, that's where it began. He first confessed, I'm overtaken. I, I, I'm spent. So God, lift me up. I, uh, I don't like going to the beach. I'm not a good swimmer. Now, I can swim, but I'm not good at it. And can I tell you something? I learned a long time ago that lifeguards are trained in a specific way to save someone that's in trouble in the water. You know what that way is? You swim out to them. But you don't get close enough to where they can grab you. You sit there and you tread water. Until they quit fighting. Because what does a person that's in trouble do? They're flailing. They're spending all their energy to just stay afloat. And then when all their energy is gone, then the lifeguards talk to reach out, grab them under their arms, and pull them back to shore. But why don't they do it before they get wore out? Because if they do, they'll take the lifeguard down with them. You say, preacher, why does that apply to this text? Because here's the reality. When you get to the end of yourself, that's when you'll find out God will undertake it. 
And until you get there, you're not going to learn. You're going to keep trying to do it in your own energy and in your own ability. And then there's going to come a point where you just say, I can't do this anymore. And can I tell you what's going to happen? God's going to say, well, what took you so long? And that's when you find out God undertakes you. That's where Hezekiah was. Notice what he says. He said, what shall I say? Verse 15. He hath both spoken unto me and him himself hath done it. So what was the basis of Hezekiah's faith here? God said what he would do. Remember what we looked at this morning. God said, three days you'll go to the temple. I'll, I'll, I'll give you 15 more years. I'll, do, I'll, I'll get the Assyrians. I'll defeat the Assyrians for you. I'll deliver your cities. I'll rescue you from all of that. And, and here's Hezekiah. Now, in all his despair, and all his confusion, and all his suffering, and all his sorrow, can, don't, don't understand, why are you taking me away that I can't worship you? Why are you taking me away that I can't complete what, I, what, I was, what you put me to do and restoring back to Israel all the work and all the glory and all the honor that's due your name. Why, O oh Lord? Why, O oh Lord? And then the Lord speaks to him. And he said, Oh, Hezekiah, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. I have compassion on you. I'll give you 15 more years. I'll give your life a little longer. And then what did Hezekiah say? God spoke! And now I could trust you. Because now I had something to pay. See, Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by thee. So therefore, when God speaks, guess what? Like Max said in the testimony time, you can absolutely trust Him. And here's where His confidence came from. God said. That's settled. Now listen to me, folks. If the Bible says God never leaves you nor forsakes you, why do you listen to the lie of the enemy saying God's forsaken? Well, I can't pray. After what I did yesterday, he ain't going to listen to me. Well, how about repent and you'll find out yes, that God's amen. always there. Amen. See, we listen to the lie. But we need to go back to the Word. And let the Word sift out the lies. And just trust the Word. Well, notice the solace of Hezekiah. Look at verse 16 and 17. He says, O Lord, by these men live, and all these things is the life of my spirit. So wilt thou recover me and make me to live. Behold, for peace I have great bitterness, but thou hast in love up to my soul delivered me from the pit of corruption, for thou hast called my sins, or cast my sins behind thy back. And now what took place when God saved him? What makes the solace of Hezekiah so real to him? Well, number one, God talks about it. He says, I, I'm going to rescue you by healing you. But anyway, well, here's what he said. He says, but at the same time, I'm going to take your... What sin? That's right. Trying to make a deal with the king of Assyria. Trying to make a deal with Egypt. Y'all remember all that? Not the reason for his sickness. 
but yet at the same time, it was reality. And so even in the consciousness of all that was going on, Hezekiah even understood that he had sinned against God. But here's the reality, and God bringing him back and giving him 15 years, letting him go to the temple on the third day to worship again, hearing his prayers, understanding and, and receiving his tears. Here's what Hezekiah understood. God, he said, even though I've sinned against you, you've set them back behind you. You've cast them away from you. You don't bring them up anymore. You don't remember them anymore. You've accepted my prayers. You've received my tears. You've healed my body. You've let me worship you again. Oh God, thank you. Does it still amaze you that in your lostness God would want to save you and let you worship Him? Does this still amaze you that God took you and I who were sinners, wretched sinners, as the, as the, the song says in Amazing Grace, a wretch like me? Can I tell you something? Does it not amaze you that would God would take the wretchedness of you and save you and make you righteous in the Lord Jesus and see you through the lens of the Lord Jesus as if you'd never ever sinned and treat you as if He would treat His own Son and deal with you as if He would deal with His own Son and provide for you in the way He provided for His own Son? Does it amaze you that God would look past your sin and cast it away as the, as the darkness of the sea and back? And listen, forget your sin and not bring it up anymore. And there's no condemnation to the amen in Christ Jesus. Does it amaze you anymore? Hmm. Well, if that don't bring you solace, I don't know what. Sixthly, the surety of Hezekiah. Look at verse 18. For the grave cannot praise thee. Death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. The living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. Here's what Hezekiah said. He said, God, there's a reality of rejoicing. Now listen, boys so help He said, if I would have breathed my last breath, I couldn't have praised you anymore. Isn't that what it said? I mean, look at it, folks. Look at verse 18. He said, the grave cannot praise thee. Death cannot celebrate thee. He said, if you would have took my life, Lord, how would I praise you? And then he turns around and says, but I'm praising you. Yeah. Amen. The reality of receiving. Not only if I was dead, I could not praise you, but notice what he says. That, they, that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. Not only can I not praise you, but I can't walk by faith in your truth anymore. I can't have hope in your truth anymore. I can't receive your truth. I can't hear you speak to me truth anymore. Now we live in a day today where truth is no longer important to people. Let me ask you a question. When someone passes away, have you ever had anybody say, I don't want to die because I want to learn more truth? 
I've, I've been doing this 25 years. I've never heard that. But I want to tell you something. That's a good answer. Now on this side of Pentecost, absent from the body to be present with the Lord, we become perfected in truth. But folks, listen to me. If your passion is to praise and worship, that's going to be the motivation for how you live. But watch this last one. The reality of revelation. He said, not only can I not receive truth anymore, but look at, look at this with me. Verse 19, the living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. What is he saying? If I die, who's going to teach my children? Truth. 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 Lastly, the singing of Hezekiah. Look at verse 20. The Lord was ready to save me. Can I tell you what that says to me? The whole time, he was just waiting on me to cry out to him in faith and repentance. Remember I told you the reason God did what he did was to test Hezekiah? Therefore, we will sing my songs to the string instruments all the days of my life. The praise and the singing. Bible says a unique thing about being filled with the Spirit. In Ephesians it says, be, ye, be not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Spirit. And here's what it says. And from your heart will come songs and melodies. When God controls you, you'll sing. The psalmist said it this way. Psalm 40, verse 2 and 3. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, established my goings, and he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Amen. Let me ask you a question. I'm, I'm just going to love on you, okay? Y'all know when I say that, something strong is going to come, don't you? have trouble singing praises under his name you need to check up how many of y'all have ever had the privilege as a father or mother having a child raise your hand amen how many of you ever have the privilege of having a grandchild now let me ask you a question when that child was born. Did you have any trouble. Singing the glory of that beautiful grandchild or child. To other people. Matter of fact. You wore people's eyes out with the pictures. You couldn't help yourself. 